Greetings, this is the Inspector, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, streaming into your human ear holes. Enjoy! Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye-bye Saturday night. From a very cold corner of sub-level 21, deep in Area 51, hello and happy faux spring, and welcome to TalkCast 342, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, a chance of lingering snurg storms, brought to you by your weather snurg of the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the gang is with us. In the Peabody Time Tunnel, our technical anarchist, our own button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdriver girl genius, covered in packing excelsior, living out of boxes, it's Kriana. I'm not really here. I'm not really here. <laughs> and that would be different how. And that would be different how. Sorry. From the stacks of her personal space in the Dank Dungeon's long drive to nowhere, friend of robots, alien invitees, and has been known to have knitting circles at Stonehenge. It's Sombrarian. Do you remember the time that Java thought that the opening music was us talking? And we were like, do you remember saying any of that? And he said, no, <laughs> but I thought it was us. Yeah, I kind of do remember that. That was a, that was a very silly point in his, his uh, that was a good podcast day. life. Because yeah. someone else was being weird for once. <laughs> Join us tonight on the TalkCast from Mitchell Comics. It's, uh, oddly enough, Mike Mitchell. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Ah, uh, you say that because we paid you to say that. <laughs> well, I'm still waiting for my check from the last two shows. <laughs> Which is kind of amazing that you come back after we stiffed you on the first two. Anyway, uh, Mike Mitchell... Sucker. <laughs> yeah, Mitchell Comics is best known or was best known for his Zombie Sub 920 series, which is kind of how we first met at a, at a uh, free comic book day event in, in Concord, New Hampshire. And you were sitting there with your uh, captain's hat on and you had this brand new series called Zombie Sub 920. Since then, right. Zombie Sub 920 is uh, taken off and... Uh, is well into its, uh, I think, ninth edition at this point. That's right, yep. Oh, then I am caught up. Excellent. But you've also, uh, Mitchell Comics, had started doing uh, a kind of side series of, of history stuff. And I say history stuff because... Back when I was uh, a young dome and wasn't called Dome because I had hair. Um, there were all kinds of like historical comics and gold key comics made a bunch of them 
And dinosaurs uh, delivered them. One at a time. Ali Oop was my, my comic delivery guy at that point. And there was, you know, it, it was, some of, some of them were historical. Some of them were, uh, like, classic stories done uh, in comic book form, which I assiduously read rather than the books themselves. And my teachers would always catch me on stuff like, he looks just like Thor. And that, you know, it wasn't that at all. But you started branching out in, into doing a fairly uh, close history uh, with uh, some, some uh, ooh, how am I trying to say this here? Some space era stuff that you did, was it two years ago now? Uh, yeah, well, the first one we did was the um, UFOs over Exeter. Oh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorites. In 1965. And from there, you, you went on to do uh, the Friendship Freedom 7. 7. Freedom 7, I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, you did that in cooperation with the McAuliffe Space Center? That's correct, yeah. And, and then you took a weird turn. And you started doing naval history. How did you? How did that start? How did you get involved well, in the whole naval history thing? It's kind of come full circle because um, my wife and I started Mitchell Comics because of way back in 2010, we took a trip to um, the USS Albacore, which is the dry dock research submarine in Portsmouth. And um, you can go on board, and it's a very interactive um, submarine museum in that you can go on board and look through the periscope, sit in the captain's chairs, and press all the buttons. And uh, most submarines are, you know, walled off with clear plexiglass, and you can only look at the stuff. But this is very interactive, and you really feel like you're on board that submarine, and, and it's very easy to imagine. And as we were walking through there, my wife said, this is really closed and cramped and creepy. And the only thing that could make this creepier is if there were zombies on board. And that was the spark that created the idea of Zombie Sub 920, our, our action-adventure comic book series. So ever since that day, we've owed a big debt to the Albacore Mu Museum for inspiring our, our comic book series and uh, we continued to visit over the years and in 2016 um, we were actually I think it was 2015 yeah it was late 2015 we were um, guests on the Greg Bogus hour um, out of Nashua public uh, access TV I don't know if you know Greg but he's a great guy and uh, comic fan as well and uh, TV host there, and he had us on as guests to talk about our comics. And on the same show, he had James Craig, who is the director of the Albacore Museum. So in the green room, after we had done recording, uh, we found out that Jim had been listening to our interview and wanted to talk to us after the show. And uh, we spoke, and, and Greg introduced us, and and he said, I love, you know, the whole, your whole story about how the comics were inspired by the sub. We'd like to carry them in the gift shop. 
he think he thought it would be a fun item to carry our zombie sub books in the Albacore gift shop. So we were thrilled, of course. And um, shortly thereafter, um, once our books were in the store and selling, and he was happy and we were happy, we we said, you know, Jim, we could do a comic book about the actual Albacore submarine. <laughs> so that that's kind of how that got started. So what's the comic book about? I mean, obviously it's about the Albacore, but what makes the Albacore yeah. a, a special boat? Well, the Albacore was a very uh, special submarine. Um, in World War II, submarines were fleet boats. So they're basically destroyers that could only submerge a, a, uh, a not too deep below the surface of the water. And they could only go about 8 to 12 knots maximum speed. So they were very slow. They were basically destroyers that could, could go underwater. Um, and in the early 1950s, um, actually shortly after World War II, it was actually in the 40s when they started thinking about this, they wanted to make a submarine that could stay underwater for longer periods of time and that would be a true submersible. In other words, it could travel underwater as its primary mode of transportation rather than going on the surface and, and just submerging for attacks. So um, they began to design this, what they call uh, body of revolution hull, that is the torpedo shape that we know of today, that was that was the albacore. That was designed for the albacore. The albacore was the test bed upon which the entire nuclear navy that came after it was built. And they used the albacore as an underwater laboratory to try out all these different theories about what would work and what wouldn't work um, in creating this super hydrodynamic submarine that that allows us to to have the subs that we have today. So what does this book take us through? It, it starts at the very inception with um, everything that I just got done explaining. And then um, from there it goes on to the first uh, voyages, which were also very interesting um, because prior to that, as I mentioned, subs could only uh, travel about 8 to 12 knots tops. The um, albacore was so hydrodynamic that the first time out, it did 24 knots with without even trying. So that's like twice the speed. Um, and it's kind of funny because they had to install subway straps throughout the sub for, for submariners to hold on to because it would make such tight turns and banks at such speeds that you know, they, they, it took a while to get used to it. So, um, and all, all, most of the sailors that were on board had served on World War II subs, so it was significantly different. Uh, <laughs> not to be silly, but it was a sea change of <laughs> technology. And um, so it took some getting used to of how to maneuver that boat underwater at, at such high speeds. They talked about it as being the flying submarine because they actually felt like they were flying. And in addition to the shape being based on a blimp, it also uh, 
borrowed heavily from aircraft controls. It was the first submarine to have the um, single stick control yoke like like you see on board jetliners and is, is common on all submarines today. Uh, before that, it was like a, this gigantic wheel that took, you know, a man had to stand up and turn and all, all this and it was turning all these different valves. And so uh, this the technology that went into that submarine was cutting edge for the day. One of the things that um, when we talked about UFOs over Exeter and uh, the Freedom 7 uh, comic that <clears throat> you do is you do an awful lot of background research. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know you did with the UFOs uh, only because Exeter is one of my three favorite places in the universe besides Area 51. Uh, and uh, I, do. I mean, it's, it's just an odd little confluence of very weird stuff going on there. And I agree. You know, and the same thing with the, the, the Freedom 7 uh, book. You, you worked very hard uh, to make the information easy to, ex to access. Uh, talk a little bit, if you would, about uh, your research for the Albacore and how that, yeah. you know, what you did through that. I would love to. That was really amazing. We, because uh, Jim Craig was so um, excited about having this book done and, and having the story of the Albacore told and, and, and giving it access to children and, and the younger audience, um, he gave us unprecedented access. Uh, we were allowed to go through um, the ship's scrapbook, which began to be compiled in 1953, and it was uh, finished in 72 when it was retired. So it was this huge book that is was as thick as a as a microwave oven, and, and I'm not kidding. And it was it was under lock and key, and you had to. It was in, it's in the back of the museum and, and not just anybody gets to see it. And in there were all kinds of official photographs, communiques between admirals and captains. Um, just all, there was newspaper articles, magazine articles. There were official uh, Washington, D.C. Um, memoranda and there were schematic drawings. And it was just amazing. And um, I actually got to have a digital version of that that I had access to. Oh, that's cool. So I, yeah, so that was good. I also, um, one of the ship's engineers um, was uh, in the midst of compiling a, a uh, oral history that he had been working on for several years, and he allowed me to... Um, have a hard copy of that as well. So I got to hear um, the sailors who served on board in their own words, um, probably a dozen or more of them in there have since deceased um, since, since the book was started. So um, that was very useful. And uh, one of the most uh, one of the greatest things that happened was Norm Bauer, who was chief of the boat for 10 years from 
59 to 69 um, took me on board and gave me a guided tour. And we went through that boat nut and bolt from stem to stern. And he showed me everything on board. I'll never look at it the same again since going through with him. So that was very, very enlightening. What was the most surprising thing you found out about uh, the albacore? Uh, boy, that's kind of a tough one. Um, well, I think some of the surprising things were some of the strange stories that I didn't know about and, and that don't get talked about. Um, one was, and they're not, it's not like a technical ooh-ah type thing, but one was that um, they surfaced, and this is in the comic book, they surfaced one day coming back from a uh, series of trials in the Florida Keys, and they surfaced off the coast of Maryland to throw garbage overboard, which doesn't happen today, but back then, that's how you got rid of your trash that you accumulated <laughs> on board. The sub was you just surfaced and tossed it overboard. And uh, so the sailor goes out on deck with these bags of trash, and he sees a pigeon. Now they're a hundred miles off the coast of Jersey and uh, he sees this pigeon limping through the sky and land right on the bow of the deck and just collapse. So he goes over and picks it up and brings it inside and he noticed it's banded that it's a carrier pigeon. So they nurse it back to help on their trip back to Portsmouth. They submerge go underwater. Two days later, they arrive in Portsmouth. The bird's doing better, and then they continue to nurse it. And finally, the captain says, you get you got to get rid of that bird. <laughs> Just release it. Let it go. You know, get it. It doesn't belong here. So they tie a note on it explaining what happened, and they release it. And lo and behold, a week later, they get a message back from the owner saying that the bird went home to New Jersey, flew home from Portsmouth, thus making him the first carrier pigeon to travel by submarine. <laughs> so that was a, <laughs> that was one of the more unusual stories that I that I, I heard, and one of the more interesting ones that uh, on the technical side was that it was the first to test out this um, what they call the FAB fly around body. It was essentially a, a high-tech, for its time, drone. It, it looked like, uh, sort of like a torpedo, and it was had like a comlink cable that went to the sub, and it, it actually orbited the submarine as it was underwater, and it was equipped with these really powerful underwater hydrophones or microphones, if you will that could pick up any noise inside the sub. And then and that would enable them to isolate those noises and, and find ways to silence them so they could not be heard. So that sounds like, okay, so what? But that allowed us to have a super silent series of submarines that, that could not be detected by the Russians even when we were up close to them giving us a, a real edge. So, so for its that was really cool. So for its time the, the Albacore was the cutting edge. 
It sure was. It, it, was, it was highly advanced. Um, it also broke the submarine speed record three times. It, it was faster than the Nautilus, which was a nuclear sub. Uh, it was, it also, the, the last time it broke uh, the underwater speed record, which is, is still classified, um, it was not broken till almost 30 years later. So it, it was a pretty impressive boat. And, and uh, it was in the water for over 20 years, so it had it had quite a few experiences. And so some it of them now, are classified, some of them are not. Some of them <laughs> are unverifiable. So, <laughs> and, and it now sits in the Portsmouth, Portsmouth Naval Shipyard in New Hampshire. Yeah, right, right in downtown Portsmouth, right off Exit Seven. You can't miss it if you if you take the exit and you start Exit Seven and start heading into town. It's right there on your right and right off the Market Street Bridge. And um, it, uh, it's only $7 to go on board. And, and you, can, you can spend as much time as you want. It's a self-guided tour. There's uh, little audio uh, buttons throughout the sub that you press and, and a voice comes on and it's, it's a sailor who manned that station explaining what what happens and why why that what work what goes on at that particular station on board the sub and you can uh, go in the museum and watch a film you can see all kinds of artifacts from from the submarine and in the gift shop at the end you'll see USS Albacore comic <laughs> by Mitchell Comics As, you know this is a this is a very odd sidelight and yet it's not really a sidelight as you said it's kind of a full circle kind of deal where you're doing this plus your main you know zombie sub 920 and uh, both of them are reaching probably very different audiences I be, I'm guessing well that's what we're finding out you know um, the UFOs over Exeter story continues to be our biggest selling comic and it just amazes my wife and I. Um, we've sold thousands of copies of that over over the last year and a half. And um, Freedom Seven is starting to catch up to it. And uh, I think I think Albacore is going to surpass them both. I really do. And uh, it, it's just uh, it's something you know. You talk to people. Many people know there's a submarine down there in Portsmouth. They don't know why it's there. They don't know what it did. <laughs> and even people who walk through, a lot of them don't press the buttons and they come out of there and they're still not entirely sure. But this is just a fun, interesting, it's a quick way. I mean, it probably takes you 15 minutes to read the comic book, if that. And um, when you're done, you really have a sense of what the whole mission of that submarine was about why it's there, how it got to be there and, and, and the people that served on board and what they did and what their lives were like. And, and never one to rest on his laurels as over the years, Michael, I've come to know you. Uh, you're now working on a new book about John Paul Jones. And 
we joked about why you would be doing a Led Zeppelin comic at this point, and then I was rebuked at that. Uh, so let's talk about the, the, the one that's in progress right now, the John Paul Jones one. Well, we, that was, uh, another one of my wife's suggestions. We were, we were down, uh, looking at the tall ships on our anniversary and we had just talked to, uh, Jim Craig about the Albacore project, which we were just starting at that time. And, uh, throughout that whole, um, weekend that we were down there we kept hearing you know the name of john paul jones and we wound up even going over to um the discover portsmouth um museum and gift shop there in downtown portsmouth and and touring the john paul jones house and I, it was it was kind of by that time we had talked about it a little bit over the weekend but hey what about a john paul jones comic and yeah uh, and i said yeah that you know that sounds really cool and you know father of the u.s navy and we just you know did this submarine book and you know al shepherd aboard freedom seven he was a you know a naval officer and you know there were navy people that were involved in the whole ufos over exeter story so it just seemed like a natural and we were touring through the john paul jones house and you know I, we've talked before dome about um eerie things that happen in, in comic books and and uh, kind of mystical, magical stuff. But I was in the room that John Paul Jones supposedly stayed in, and there was a dressing mirror that he supposedly used. And I was looking at my reflection in this mirror, and it's a, it's a colonial mirror, so it's not like the kind of mirrors we have now. It's very pitted, and the glass is dim, and you can barely see your reflection. but I had this feeling that he was reaching out to me and I was reaching out to him and that this, it was just my destiny to tell this story. <laughs> so just, whether that was true or not, I don't know, but that was the impression I got. And I, I'm very excited about telling this one as well. Well, whether it's true or not, it was true for you. And that was kind of the, the push for you at that point. Right. 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 I just read a uh, quote recently from, uh, Alan Moore, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with him. Famous I am indeed. Writer, uh, author of The Watchmen. And and uh, I, I, I'm not going to misquote him, but the gist of the article was uh, going on about, you know, he was talking about magic and uh, because he's very into magic and mysticism. And, um, and he believes that comic books are a form of magic. and I, And I do too, and I've always kind of thought that. And if you think about it, the whole notion of telling stories with pictures and words, combination of picture and words, it, it, it has a mystical root going way back to the Incas and the Egyptians, uh, you know, where, with hieroglyphs and, and how they covered their tombs. And there's essentially stories in graphic form. And, and there is, I really believe that there is something about that. It's a connective form of media that's very different from television or movies or writing and uh, I don't know I, I just I find weird things the more I do this the more I find weird connections um, I told you uh, I think the last time I was on about the whole scratch Tolan thing with the UFO stories how I drew him yep. with a pipe and I just on a whim did not know he smoked a pipe and then that was confirmed later on by 
by somebody else. So we expect well, I, like that happens. I think what's happened is you found your muse, and your muse seems to be surrounded around naval history within New Hampshire, whether real or imagined, and you've gone from Zombie Sub 920 to the Albacore to John Paul Jones to Alan Shepard uh, as, as a part of the Navy in, in, uh, in the space program. Uh, and, I mean, it's a wonderful niche that you've carved out for yourself here. Yeah, well, we're having an awful lot of fun with it, that's for sure. And I think that's the most would, important thing, isn't it? Yeah, I would have to say my wife is my muse. <laughs> but uh, I, I know what you're saying. And, and, and uh, it, it, we, we just, when we decide on what book to do next, we, uh, we, we talk a lot about those things and how they fit in. Because, you know, we're very fortunate. We live in a state where there's all kinds of great, interesting stories to be told, but, you know, they have to be the kind of story that excite us and are interesting to us and that that we're going to connect with in order for us to sell them to, and market them well. You know what I mean? And the cool part is, that the connection is not just between you and the subject matter, but the reaction that I've seen people have to your stuff, the reaction that you've seen uh, when when people see your comics and, and read the stories, it, it obviously resonates there as well. And that that's what makes for real compelling storytelling. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us tonight, my friend. It's a, it's always well, a pleasure to, to have you on the show. And, thank and you for it, being so complimentary. And it's always wonderful to see where you're going now. So uh, after, obviously, uh, after the Led Zeppelin uh, <laughs> tribute comic, I can't imagine where you're going next. But after John Paul Jones, uh, uh, I'm going to be waiting with bated breath to see what happens at that point. It's Mike Mitchell from Zombie Sub 920, Mitchell Comics. He and his wife do some of the most incredible stuff around. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Thank you very much. All righty. Um, Sombrarian, my love, my dear. Unmute mm -hmm. yourself. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to talk about tonight? I don't know. The Oscars happened, and there weren't a lot of speculative movies part of them so i think that there wasn't a lot of news to have priyana agrees kind of wasn't well at this point that's i think all we can say is uh i'm not sure who's coming up next week but uh say hello to our friends at super mega fest in the next couple of weeks books and books our intro music production was provided by I want to thank our guest, 
Doom will be late. Many thanks to the cast tonight from the acting time we're noted. The woman of words on period. Thank you so much, baby. That's what she said. And this is Dome saying Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody.